0: Hello everyone and welcome back. It's a full 40 with Chris and Rob. Brought to you by Nova Insider. Whoa, whoa. We are in my Chatham, New Jersey house. My God, doing this podcast first time, breaking it's in the house.
1: It's terrible. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, I have an allergic reaction already. Yeah. I've been outside of the city for too long, too many minutes now. <laughs> good God. So,
0: so we're here bringing to you, like any good Villanova alum living in New Jersey. It's kind of a common theme, and bringing to you the full forty talking to you about we got a couple things on the docket today usually don't do like table of contents but here we go we're going to talk about the games of the week that was an interesting week but two but 2-0 nonetheless um got some interesting news in terms of jersey retirements coming up that we want to talk about we got big big week this week yep big week where a 2-0 week would be Absolutely amazing! I know a two week is not out of the question, and one and one seems to be like a likely, yeah, possibility. I'll take that. Um, and then finally, we're gonna look. We're gonna do a heart monitor. We haven't done a we big, haven't done it. We yeah. haven't done a big heart monitor in a in a couple in a couple weeks. So we got to hit that as the guys in the league have been doing great.
1: Absolutely.
0: So with that, let's start in with the week that was. Let's do it. In which we went two and zero, overtime win versus DePaul followed by a win at the Wells Fargo Center versus UConn. I
1: I literally have this look on my face of disgust because we had to utter the words overtime win against DePaul. At home. At home, which is not all that different than, I think it was last year, they played us super tight. They've played us tight the past couple of years. So credit to Mr. Dave Leto for perhaps writing the DePaul Blue Demon ship even without the one and only Max Struess. Yeah,
0: the Struess no longer able he, to be. Loose. He's he's loose somewhere else, yeah, presumably. Not
1: with us, though. Not with us. Look, R.I.P. Max Struess.
0: They DePaul had a good week by all intents and purposes because they went out, they played us real tough at our place, and then they hosted Butler and slaughtered them. Yeah. So, so it isn't. It wasn't crazy. I think, and DePaul was good. I mean, we were talking about them potentially being ranked. Earlier in the season And now they got off to that real rocky dollar.
1: Super rough, yeah
0: And now, yeah, they only have one Big East win But it came against the team that was previously In first place in the conference Going into this past week
1: Yeah, you kind of thought prior to that De- uh, prior to that Butler win You were like, oh, this is DePaul doing DePaul Type things yeah. But that uh, maybe, they'll, maybe they'll get their shit together They've got yeah. players on that team, yeah. as we saw yeah. And they that team clearly Believes in their self more than They used to And that's, I mean, if I look back like five years, DePaul literally obviously was the laughing stock, and still kind of is a little bit. And those guys came into those games like, yeah, we're going to get crapped on. And now they at least seem to be like, nah, like we're going to hold our own and we're going to have a little self-respect. And they clearly do. Look, when Leda was the coach of DePaul, he
0: ran like a kind of like middling Big East program, like middle to the end. Big East program. And he kind of has covered. They, were they
1: in the Big East at that point? Yeah,
0: he, he was. I think he
1: was a little oh, bit. Oh, like there. And they transitioned in the transition Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh,
0: and he's kind of like right back there. So credit to him. I, I think that they are actually going to end up winning. I don't know if they'll end up with a winning record because they've started so tough yeah. and it's like hard to recover from that. But they could end up like 8 and 10 in, in the,
1: the Big league. East. Yeah. And end That's- up with a bid. I mean, look. If you're a DePaul fan and you and you say at the end of the year we're eight and ten in the Big East, you yeah. gotta be thrilled. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. It's a twenty win season because yeah. they
0: had twelve wins going in, I think. So, so look, DePaul's got a real shot to be a twenty win team and, and and get into the NCAA tournament. So, like, yeah. With that being said, you would think like, okay, this is not going to be easy. pickings at home, but the way that game played out, that was a wild game so like just so frustrating yeah very frustrating so let's just talk about that so first off theme of the season so to speak yes is surrender a big lead like don't show up to the first five to ten minutes of the game like what the fuck is with that we like to challenge ourselves clearly like like, okay like hey we're gonna start with a handicap yeah basically yeah Yeah, you take a head start and then we'll catch up
1: maybe jay agreed to that with the coaches earlier this year he's like all right guys like we'll take like a 10 point deficit every game to like work back make it a little bit more challenging maybe that's his mindset yeah. I don't know
0: you see, ever see it in baseball baseball has that like one contest where they like send someone running like like an amateur runner
1: running oh yes 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 yeah, yeah. yeah the Mr. Freeze guy or whatever yeah, the competition. Yeah. and yeah. they run
0: like about like halfway through and yeah. then all of a sudden like all of a sudden, this really fast guy who's like actually good like starts running and oftentimes beats them. I feel like that's been our strategy. Yes, basically. It's like, let the team get halfway out there, and then you know we'll just <laughs> race back
1: into it and through. It's a great comparison. Yeah, yeah.
0: And that's kind of how it's been. Just so you know, though, that guy loses sometimes.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's
0: not a tenable situation. Yeah. So what I recommend, <laughs> just like a thought, is that we don't do that.
1: That that's a great recommendation. Yeah. This is the level of insight we bring you here at the full forty. Yeah,
0: here's what we do: just play the way we do for like the last thirty minutes of the game, broadly speaking, except for inbounds plays, which we'll get to later, and like just do that for the whole game. Yeah, that'd be nice. Play the full forty minutes, if you will.
1: Novel idea. Novel idea. Yeah.
0: So. All we're doing is telling the team to be a little bit more like us, play the full 40, and let's fucking go. Absolutely. Um, With that being said, so we did raise out somehow, by some divine providence, we were in the lead at halftime. I still don't quite follow how we somehow... Got the lead back after being down like twenty-one-seven or something like that. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, and somehow ended up up thirty to twenty-eight at the end of the first half was craziness. Yes, followed by getting up like ten, like the whole part second half of the game basically. It felt like we were up Wait,
1: ten, okay, to twelve with points. with four minutes left. we yeah, 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 were up crazy twelve points. Twelve points, and so just. Shit it away.
0: Yeah, shit it away ended up in overtime.
1: Dude, what wait, the fuck wait. was that? We were up at like six with like a minute left and there was that stupid turnover at half court where Sadiq just kind of lollygagged the ball to Colin, it gets stolen, and Sadiq literally stands there and is like what, what was that? Like like question mark arms basically. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you just threw the ball out there mm-hmm. basically it's terrible. It
0: was, it was terrible. awful. So we did absolute bed for the entire like last two to three minutes of the game, let them all the way back in, double deficit lead, cut to zero, buzzer, then we're in overtime. Then in overtime, we like held with it and ended up winning the game, which a lot of teams would have salted away. So credit when credit's due, like, we put ourselves in that situation, but didn't lack the mental fortitude to finish the We job. finished it, yeah. yeah. We came back,
1: we had it right. done. And the
0: same ended up being true for UConn to a certain degree. Because it was a little bit different the way it played out, but like still, again, beginning of the game, surrender, somewhat of a lead. We came back a little bit earlier on in the game, yep. got the lead in half, seemed to be in control of the game at the very beginning, uh, at the very end of the first half. Then, UConn seemed to make every shot in the second half. I swear to God, it seemed like they went on a streak where they hit like 11 straight baskets, it seemed like. And... We couldn't guard anything, and credit when credit's due. Sometimes other teams hit shots, and sure. like, hitting shots can absolve a lot of things. And they were hitting like, these like, floaters where they were running full speed at the hoop and just like, went in. Like Fadeaway jumpers were going in. Everything was going down for them, so I'll give that a little bit of credit. Like, the team can't help that necessarily. Um, basketball's that one sport where like, really good offense will beat good defense. We end up finally getting the lead back in the last two minutes of the game. Jermaine, 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 Oh my gosh, yeah. Ice is the game, and we ended up with a 2-0 week. Yeah. Against two teams, though, that we should have beat by like 10
1: points. I was going to say, like we talked about last podcast. We said, oh, what do you expect for the week? And we both said, we should go 2-0. We said it pretty emphatically. It should not have been as close as it was this week. So uh, anyway— what are our takeaways from this? Like, what do we like? What didn't we like?
0: Okay, so we already said one, and that just play better from the start of the game. Yes, totally. So, so, done. Point addressed. Fix
1: that. Team fixed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, second of all, this team doesn't lack – I mean, it lacks that – in my mind, it lacks that killer instinct that particularly the 18 team had. Now, like, comparing any Villanova team course, to the 18 team is kind of, like, unfair yeah. the, other than the 16 team. In um, the 17 team, to be honest. But like comparing any Villanova team to those years is tough. But what those team had that this team doesn't seem to have is that killer instinct. That like, okay, we're now up big and now we got an extra gear and we're going to throttle it on and turn this 10-point game that's still kind of a game into like a 20-point blowout. You have no hope of coming right. back. So,
1: so the other team basically just gives up like we have not seen pound them
0: into submission and then it's over yeah and we have not seen that and look what does that require that requires good basketball iq playing smart playing hard through the game etc i don't think these guys lack in terms of effort and intensity i don't think they want for any of that i think that these guys play hard they seem to play tough etc i think that there's a basketball iq aspect to it I think that they do get up 10, and I do think that there's, like, a little bit of mental lapses, which mm. is common
1: for a younger team. Um, but at some point, look, at some, at some point, point you, you, this younger team narrative needs to go away. Yeah, like, like you've played half a season. so now, Exactly. Like,
0: so exactly. now, like, Colin Gillespie, for example, is closer to being a senior than he is being a sophomore. Yep. Right? So, like...
1: Yeah, I I really don't want to hear the younger team narrative anymore. I think that's silly.
0: We got to put the younger team thing away. We do have some younger players. Sure. So now you have younger players, but now, like again, Samuel's uh, Gillespie, etc. Candidly, Bay is probably closer to the NBA than he is to the start of his Villanova career. Yeah. Right. So like, so like, yeah, you have like now of a core unit of the team that needs to just take the bull by the horns and say, no, guys. We're up ten, we're closing this thing out. We play hard for like ten more minutes and this thing is it's fucking over. done. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And so I think it's an element I think the team wants to do that. I just don't think they know how to do it. I don't think they know how to keep that focus, maintain that level of intensity and effort that don't that, that prevents a team from ever having a glimmer of hope.
1: Yeah. And I mean maybe there there's an element of, hey, we haven't you know, we don't have all of the guys clicking yeah. at one time like we have on other teams, which kind of brings me to my second point about, you know, things that I actually ended up liking this week was, was Samuels. As we've talked about, kind of the, the X factor up and down. He's been in a huge shooting slump recently. But one of the things I really liked is Jay clearly must have talked to him and been like, dude, we need you to keep shooting. You can't be just the guy who holds the ball and passes the ball. And he was definitely attacking the hoop um, against DePaul and UConn, Absolutely iced the game He was 4 of 6 from 3 He was the guy in the UConn game
0: And his shot that like took The the shot that ended the game effectively Was the shot that put us up In like the Kansas game It was like the same
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely So I, I really like that That even as he's going through this slump And working through it I'm not ready to say that he's out of it And he's full bore And he's the guy we can count on Night in and night out But you can clearly say that he at least still has some of that confidence to be like, I'm going to keep firing and some of those shots are going to go down, which we hundred percent need that attitude for us to be successful as we move forward. So that was, that was one of my big things coming out of yeah, this.
0: Yeah. No, I, and I think that's a, I think that's a good point. And so that's a big point. I would also say that the team needs to be a little bit sharper Not only defensively, and I know we all have talked ad nauseum, and everyone acknowledges that the inbounds plays can be really rough. (laughs) Um, So that's part of it. But I almost feel like in those, in transition and things like that, you could almost see the nerves play out Mm. a little bit. Like the team gets a little bit quick, the mind gets a little bit ahead of them, and they don't make good, smart decisions. And they were talking about that about – Jay was talking about like I need these guys to make a decision mm. and and not hesitate. And I think that there's like a bridge. There's like a little bit of like a threading the needle with that in that you want to make sure you're making a decision but you also got to make the right decision. Yeah. And so I think what Jay's point is like keep making a decision and like be decisive. Yeah. And like oftentimes making a decision will end up working out because – if you give – t- if you hesitate, then you give a team a chance to like collapse. And so when mm. you're in a trap situation, like you would better to make a decision fast. Go like – and like go with it. But I still feel like the team is a little bit ahead of itself on those things and getting the mind worked up and getting that anxiety worked out, which I like that in a weird way because to win and go 2-0 facing that – Will mean that the team has gotten practice in handling those end of game tough situations mm. and should get better at it. So it's interesting to see will this be a pattern of behavior that plays out for the rest of the season, or will it be a learning point and the team gets better as a result of
1: having experienced those situations? Interesting. All right. So talking about learning points kind of brings me to we to think about. Can we talk about our two like star freshman recruits for a hot minute? Because it's an interesting week for them. So yep. JRE is a guy we've been kind of like up and down on. Actually had a pretty nice week. He had, I think it was like 13-13 and 13 against Paul, depl- like,
0: Double-double against DePaul.
1: Pretty solid. He had 11-7 and seven against UConn, including some really clutch, clutch free throws down the stretch, which yes. was awesome. Yep. And he actually got pulled into the post-game press conference with Jay after the UConn game, which is cool, which is basically reserved for the top two guys after each game, so it was, it was him and Samuel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for this one, so I really like that. That he seems like he's playing with a little bit more confidence. There's a lot we can, um, you know, we can keep asking of him on the defensive end, which I think he still has a lot of things to improve on. The one thing I do want to call out though yeah. was um, actually in particular watching JRE in the press conference was absolutely hilarious. This dude clearly pays attention to the press training that Jay does because every other word out of his mouth was like, "Yeah, it's all about attitude. You gotta have the great attitude. You gotta play the full forty minutes. We just gotta play villain of a basketball." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you're you are clearly paying attention in the media training that Jay does yeah. because it was just like listening to a little version of Jay or a younger version of Jay yeah. just spout off things that have no, no meaning no. whatsoever." Now, granted, I will say some of the questions he got asked were so stupid. One of the guys asked him, like, oh, what was the key point in, like, bringing down that offensive rebound? And JRE was kind of like, what the fuck do you want me to say about that? Yeah, I he, just had really good attitude about it. He, he, basically, <laughs> he was basically like, oh, I was in the right place and I had good attitude. And I was like, all right. Like, yeah, I can't really do anything else with that question. So, anyway, kudos to JRE for that and kudos on, on an awesome press conference and absorbing Jay's learning. It's interesting.
0: JRE is an interesting character because, like, he clearly is a heady, smart oh, guy. Oh, he's clearly very smart. Like, clearly a good basketball IQ, etc. He's also got a great nose for the ball. He's good. He's a really, like, he's just a good rebounder. The one thing about him that is so weird because I have heard and I know and I can tell that he is a gym rat in that he's, like, all up in there and he wants to make sure that the strength and conditioning, that he's, like, whatever. He's a lot like Brunson in that regard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. But he goes up so fucking weak sometimes, and yeah. he, he gets his shit swatted all Lil, the Lil time. Little bitch, little yeah, bitch. Yeah, he goes up <laughs> sometimes like a little bit like little bitch, and he just gets, he just gets fucking sent away. Like, now no, I, the I, I fuck will clarify.
1: We're, we're saying like little bitch. Now, you put any of us to court against uh, Jerry, and, and little bitch I'd, is going to get redefined.
0: I'd run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. to yeah, yeah. be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: just to be clear. Yeah. Again, again <laughs> it's, yeah. it's
0: all it's all good fun. It's all good fun. Yeah, it's all in good fun. But yeah. JRE needs to stop going up, weak. Yeah. Stop, stop that. Just yeah. go up with some fucking intensity and strength. Let's go.
1: I'm really excited about. Like we talked about, it, I think it was a podcast or two ago. I'm very excited for the freshman to sophomore jump for JRE. I think it's oh, yeah. going to be crazy, dramatic, like very dramatic. Very he is dramatic.
0: not an NBA player this year. Yeah, he's not going to get drafted. Great, awesome news. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: good for us. Yeah, good
0: for yeah. the program. But next year,
1: He's gonna I expect a, a massive
0: jump in between years. And then, yeah, I expect to be waving goodbye to him after next year. I think year. so.
1: I think so. All right. So so I do want to touch on real quick um, um, our other freshman, B.A. Mr. Antoine. Mr. Antoine. So I was really excited in the first half of the UConn game. He got in. He got in. He was involved. Hit a shot. Hit a three, like, in rhythm as part of the offense. I was very excited. He looked... Decent defensively. I mean it wasn't it wasn't terrible or anything. And Definitely like, much
0: more in the flow.
1: Absolutely. So yeah. I was excited. I was like, all right, this is great. He got worked in. It's not like we were up 20 at that point already. And then he just didn't come in in the second half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and that's that's what kind of frustrates me. I'm sure it frustrates him too. And what's oh, what, gotta be frustrated. He's gotta be frustrated because I'm like, all right, look, if you're good enough to contribute in the first half of a tight game. I would argue you're good enough to contribute in the second half of a tight game. The thing that really bothered me going, then taking this again back to Jay's press conference is somebody asked him, you know, Hey, you know, what about Brian? And which of course, on everybody's mind. And Jay said, Oh, you know, I, I feel really bad for him. And I'm like, all right, you feel really bad. You're yeah. the head coach, like that's a cop out. That's um, absolutely a cop out. Like you can change that. And we talked about we talked about this last week. And Jay, I thought made a great point in the press conference that you brought up, where he said, "Hey, we're waiting on our starting five to really show a level of consistency, so we can work Brian in more." And, and I, like, I, I get that. I get it. But guess what?
0: What I've seen actually is that Bay, Jerry, Colin, and um, and Samuels can all kind of be counted on now. Yeah. So like you kind okay. of know what you're gonna get. Yeah.
1: We, we we've reached a point. It, that that's that's my point is like if you're waiting for the starting five to become the starting five of 2018 or even the starting five of last yeah, year, it's gonna be a while. <laughs> it's gonna be a couple years. Yeah. Like that's not gonna happen. And I think to your point exactly we know what that starting five is going to deliver. We know what their strengths are. We know broadly what their deficiencies are. We kind of know what roles people are playing. It would make sense to me then to start working him into that so he can carve out that role. And I don't think we would be having this conversation if Brian Antoine had even played three or four minutes in the second half. Yeah, yeah. Because then I could have been like, oh, he got a couple shots off. He made one of those shots. He played 10 minutes in the game. Okay. Okay. That's literally the timeline and the expectations that you and I talked about at the start of the year. Right. And I would have been like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and
0: and, and then by February, whatever, maybe it's 15, and then all of a sudden, okay, now he's a consistent player on the team. 100%. Yeah. So I think you go from Antoine, and I think you got to talk about one other guy. Um, Not a freshman, but kind of also suffering on the playing minutes' Mm, time. mm. He's been the – he's been the whole season is Demir Cosby round. Yeah. And Dada is, is, is kind of like, I almost, you want to talk about feeling bad. I feel bad for Dada.
1: 100%.
0: Because what happened was Dada came in, his freshman campaign had like, Obviously, it was the 18 team. He had Spellman in front of him. Clear role player. He had Pascal in front of him. He had clear role player, and it was just meant, and it was never intended. I don't think there was any expectations otherwise that he'd do anything more than play 10 minutes a game.
1: Yeah. So he played five. In 18, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: He had five, 10 minutes a game, got some good boards. Like, he looked actually quite skilled under the basket. Yes. Like, like his freshman year. Looked very poised. Yeah, yeah looked poised. He was consistent. And yeah. then and then his sophomore campaign got off to a great start. He was like the player of the game versus Florida, Florida State. State. Yeah,
1: he was awesome. Early season last awesome. year.
0: Kind of trickled off towards the end of the year as Samuels kind of ended up playing the five more because he didn't, uh, Jay didn't want Pascal in the four slot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he had Samuels play the five. He still got a good amount of minutes, 10, 15 minutes a game. Yeah. So he still played quite a bit. Then this year, like, JRE came in. JRE's better. Like, he just is more – he has more he, he, talents.
1: I was going to say he adds more to the offense yes. than, than He can
0: stretch the floor. He yeah. can guard more positions. He's more athletic. So, like, I get it. But you'd still expect to see, even as well-conditioned as JRE is, you'd expect to see DCR get, like, 15, 20 minutes a game in his junior season.
1: And forget that. He can't even get off the bench. Yeah, I know. It's tough. And I would, yeah. It's I, I c- almost like the Dylan Painter treatment. Ugh. Like, and I, I really, that's a guy I do feel bad for because he's clearly, like, he brings the right attitude. And it was, it was interesting, again, listening to some of the postgame this week. I think it was Colin who was interviewed, um, even mentioned, like, Dada specifically, like, called him out as, like, hey, he's a leader in the locker room. He's a guy who's making sure, like, we're prepared, we're pumped up. And so clearly he's putting in work, clearly he's, I mean, he's, look, he's obviously bought into the program, which is awesome, and he's bringing that attitude, yeah, you'd love to see it translate, and certainly we understand the challenges that are ahead of him when you have a guy like JRE that is taking those minutes and is able to do potentially a little bit more. But yeah, it's it's just a tough position to be in, and, and that's a guy, that's a guy my heart really kind of goes out to a little Yeah,
0: bit. yeah, absolutely. Been, an, been a very good member of the team forever. And, like, you just want to see a guy like that get yeah. get minutes and, hey, and get in the game and, and contribute. I do think part of that's on him. I do think that he needs to develop his skill set more. Yeah. Guy's got to be able to shoot the ball. Yeah. Like, you can't be in 2020 in, a bas- in, a, in an NCAA basketball game and be a five and not shoot.
1: How much of that do you think goes back to the coaching staff a little bit? Like, I guarantee the coaching staff's working with him on, yeah. on shooting. Yeah. Anyway. All right, so I think uh, we talked a lot about kind of takeaways from the week. Anything else before we we jump on? No, I
0: actually think we ended up talking a little bit more than we expected to, but that kind of is part of what played out in the games. Yeah. Um, So let's talk a little bit about the other news from the past week, which was the news about the Jersey retirements that are coming up in February as part of the Villanova 100th season um, festivities. Um, retiring the jerseys, it's just like a soft retirement. They don't retire the number, right? But they retire the jersey of Kyle Lowry, ka ka ka, and Ryan Archdiakano, yes, and Mister Villanova, yes, and very interesting choice um, for a couple of reasons. I think Lowry, and I want to talk about this a little bit. Um,
1: in, in they're the both his, interesting choices. Yes,
0: they are both Lowry because of tenure. Um, I think a lot of people said, oh, Larry, duh, obviously. But hold on. I want, put, yeah, yeah. I want to hold the phone on that a little bit. Not that I'm debating it. I'm fine, just to be clear. But then Archie Diacono, because of the recency, yeah, he just left. He,
1: yeah, he graduated three years ago.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, so very interesting to see that all take place in the order in which it took place. Yeah. Um, so Kyle Lowry um, played two seasons. Villanova. Yeah.
1: So wait, I guess first question is are you comfortable with both those guys yes, getting in? I am in. As, as am I? I'm, I'm in. Fully support. I'm I think both those guys should yeah. have the jersey retired.
0: Yeah. A little yeah. bit of background. Well, I'm inter- interested to get Rob's take on this, but we're going to go down the path here as to like who else yeah. needs to get in there. Mm. I have a more liberal stance on it. Yeah. Um, and my attitude is purely we went to, in the last like 12 seasons, or in Jay's tenure, we've been to three Final Fours and won two national championships. Um, That's better than the whole rest of the program combined. So there should be a significant amount of jersey retirements coming from this program. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so Kyle Lowry played two seasons at Villanova. His freshman campaign, he worked his way into the starting lineup, ended up being the starting point guard by the end of the season, and um, was on a team that made the Sweet Sixteen. And his sophomore campaign was with just the original four guard lineup, the OG four guard lineup, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. with him, Randy Foy, Alan Ray, both of whom have their jerseys retired. Yep, um, Mike Nardi and Will Sheridan, and that team made the Elite Eight, uh, and was just an awesome team to watch from start to finish. It's one of those kind of like inspiring teams. In yeah. Villanova lore And it was like The one team That made the Elite Eight That I think Everyone still puts In the same category As like the final four teams it, Yeah I, Everyone kind of right. still Thinks of them As like a team like that
1: Because it, it was Jay's first big break yeah, yeah I mean rightfully It was like the rebirth You don't want to call it A rebirth Because we'd only been Gone for like 10 years But like yeah. it was a real Rebirth of Villanova National prominence Yeah yeah
0: So So Lowry was starting Point guard, But he only played Two seasons Yeah and he's getting his, reti- his jersey retired like three weeks after – or a month after Alan Ray's, two months after Alan Ray's. Yeah. And Alan Ray was a 2,000-point scorer, like first team like consensus or like national consensus All-American, like one of the best players in the country, like one of the all-time best players in Villanova basketball, clear of his day. Yeah. And Lowry comes in two seasons at Villanova, had some disciplinary issues while he was here. But the big difference is Lowry has been the biggest bona fide star Yeah. nationally, NBA, nationwide, worldwide recognition for Kyle Lowry. Yeah. And as a result of being that, and as a result of being the kind of like a prodigal son of sorts with the program, he left 100%. and then came back and was the guy who was here all the time working with guys – like, yeah, he's back, he's back every summer. Back every summer. He's posting
1: about it. He talks about Villanova yeah. in press conferences. He rocks Villanova gear after the championships. Donates his like, money, etc. Yeah.
0: Does all that stuff. And as a gold medal winner, NBA champion. Like, yeah. I think all of that plays into his jersey retirement at Villanova.
1: Well, I think what you see is Villanova has clearly taken – and we have the list of players up there. Villanova has clearly taken – an approach of, hey, we are retiring jerseys for folks who contributed significantly during their college career and maybe didn't have a great post-college career, e.g., Alan Ray. Yeah. While at the same time, we're gonna recognize people who perhaps had a shorter tenure at Villanova, yeah. or perhaps you could even say less impactful at Villanova, but have really done a lot to contribute to the program after. Yeah. they left the university which i am totally fine with i'm you can make you can argue you can make equal contributions to both sides of that like yes. what Kyle has done is awesome and like if we didn't have him i think Villanova as a as a program would really be lacking because the last really bonafide NBA star, and I'd use star loosely that you could point to, okay, Kittles. is Kerry Kittles.
0: And he was like— Tim Thomas a little bit, but yeah. Yeah, but yeah.
1: like, you know, the the consistency for either of those guys in the NBA was not there relative—you know, Larry's five, going to be six-time NBA All-Star, he's an NBA champ. Like, you know, that that's a level of success that we haven't seen in decades.
0: Yeah, Decades Decades, yeah
1: And and, and so that, that's what you're seeing It's like there are two There are clearly two different approaches To how we recognize greatness Yeah I'm okay with both of them
0: Yeah, absolutely I'm fine with Lowry's getting his jersey retired It's just interesting in the context of when you compare it There are definitely guys who haven't gotten in Who who had bigger contributions while they were here Archie Diacono is kind of almost like the opposite Not yeah. all the way the opposite Yeah super soon a
1: little fast a little fast for me a
0: little fast yeah i kind of love the i'm kind of of the like 5 year like some of his classmates are still at villanova like yeah. technically speaking like yeah. people who were freshmen when he was a senior i think are still at villanova i might be wrong on that but like whatever um Maybe a one year separated yeah but like I kind of like how like they like, you get know, a lot of sports teams have five years before you can make the Hall of Fame yeah yeah I kind of like that like,
1: like I think it seems fair like let yeah. people matriculate and then also we can take a little bit of a, a, pers- a retrospective on your NBA career too because actually one of the things that I think is most impressive for Archie Diacono is the fact that he has carved out a role in the NBA yeah like this is a guy who no one projected. To have a career in the NBA, Right. but here we are, three four years out, and he's playing 15, 20 minutes a game for the Bulls, and has mm. for the past two years
0: in their respective junior seasons. If they were, if you were to like just put them equal to one another, yeah. And I were to tell you, Ryan Archidiakono is going to have a better NBA career than Allen Ray. You would have been like, No, fuck Stop. you. You're stupid. Stop. Absolutely, you're a dumbass. Absolutely. Yes. And like, yes, the league has changed, and yeah. so guys like Archidiakono are more welcome now than they were. 13 years ago, but Alan Ray was, like, one of the best shooters in the country.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, he got drafted.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, like, coming into this, their senior year, like, Alan Ray was actually supposed to be the star. Not necessarily – like, Foy was obviously supposed to be really good. No, it was but it But, like, it was Ray. Ray was the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So very interesting how that's all panned out. Yeah. Um, Want to talk about – um, Who else? Guys who else should be numbers – New uh, Jerseys should be retired.
1: Yeah. So, and, and before we get into that, let me, let's give the audience a little bit of a flavor for who all's jerseys have been retired. Let me do a quick count One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10. I don't know. Call it, there's probably like 22, 23 people, uh, players whose jerseys have been retired, including Arch and Kyle. Yeah. So, over the entire 100 years of Villanova basketball, we've got about, call it 25 odd yeah. numbers.
0: And in Jay's era, it's, Foy, Ray, Lowry, Archie Diacono.
1: Correct. Right. That's it. That's it. Yeah.
0: Okay, so let's exclude J ears. So take those four guys out, and you got like 18 to 20? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The program history prior to Jay, three Final Fours, one national championship. Mm-hmm. Okay. A good solid program, probably like a top 40 program of yeah. all time. No one – no nothing to blink – nothing to, you know – to you know, to to say fuck you two, sure. but like, but like a good program, not the best program, whatever. In Jay's tenure, as I said, three more Final Four, so double the Final Four count and triple the national championship count. Yeah. Okay, so like, so so it would stand to reason that Jay's contribution to the players that are getting their jerseys retired would be almost equal to. All of the time,
1: before that, interesting. So, yeah, okay. So I see where you're going. You're basically taking this train of thought that Jay has essentially elevated the program to such an extent that his his contribution, and then as a follow on, his players' contribution is so outsized relative to the past. That he deserves; those players deserve an outside share of jersey retirements. Yes, that, that's, yeah, that's Yeah, that's exactly correct. No, that's I think interesting, players interesting. at Villanova
0: yeah. of the last fifteen years deserve more of a shot at having their jerseys retired than those that came before
1: them. I think I'm broadly in line with you because, like, unless for some reason we are entering into a you know the next twenty plus years of constant Final Fours and Elite Eights. We're basically we've basically kind of seen and are in the golden era of Villanova basketball as we've talked about. before. Yes, yes. Okay.
0: Let's see where we go. So if you're in the golden era, then the golden era should be enshrined. Uh,
1: yeah, th- that's totally that's totally fair. That's yeah. totally fair, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So
0: okay. So with that being said, as a as a as a backbone to the conversation, first off, I don't mm. think anyone's going to debate this one. Scotty Reynolds' fucking jersey needs to be in those rafters. No questions asked. Period. End of story. Don't want to hear another word. Yeah, sure. And I don't think
1: anyone disagrees. Yeah, with let's that point. let's do the the gimme's right now. Right. We've got Scotty. Yeah, we've got Hart, Hart, and Jalen, and Jalen. I think those are the three that. Uh, if if there is disagreement, like you're wrong. I mean, those guys are all.
0: You don't have a difference of opinion. You have you're wrong, and I'm right.
1: Yeah, I mean, those guys <laughs> are all. They were all first team All Americans. They're yeah. senior or junior year. Yeah. And obviously, Hart made it to the pros. Jalen made it to the pro. Jalen clearly, yeah. we don't need to discuss that.
0: Reynolds' post-college impact is much more along the lines of Alan Ray's. Yeah, um, but Scotty Reynolds had a arguably better and uh, better and uh, Villanova career. Yeah, than Alan Ray, and Scotty owns. What up until like four years ago was the best shot in Villanova history. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> then got trumped wildly. Yes,
1: yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So I think, I think those three are an absolute given. Yes. They have to
0: be. Yes. Yeah. And the fact – here's the thing that I struggle with the most. I struggle with Archie Diacano's timing getting in before Scotty Reynolds. It's fair. And Scotty it, Reynolds' jersey should be retired prior to anyone in the gold in the quote unquote golden era.
1: Yeah, and I don't know if there's any like personal thing going on where like maybe they've like tried to talk to him, tried to do it. Yeah. I, I don't know, but I agree. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, like he's he deserves it. Full stop. Period. Okay.
0: Okay. Then the next um, the next down is, and this is a personal. This is a – maybe it's a class of 2009 thing for me, mm. whatever. I am of the belief that Dante Cunningham wow. jersey should be retired at Villanova. Statistically, it's like borderline kind of
1: bubble out. Which I would say if you asked your average Villanova fan, should Dante Cunningham's jersey be retired? I want to say the answer would be – It's going to be no.
0: I think at best 50-50. And it, uh, yeah, I think it's probably cool. more like 40-60, 35-65, uh, something like 25-75. Maybe a maybe, lot of people probably maybe. don't remember Dante and I Cunningham. am going to beat this drum. Damn. So 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 here's the thing. So talking about post college successful so before we talk about yeah. he was a NBA journeyman but played 10 years in the league. Yeah. And had like a good had a good run in the league. After that Boy Ray Lowry class. Dante was like for a very long time, Jay's like last guy who kind of got into the league and broke in all the way. Yeah So like between '09 and and like Darren Hilliard, yeah, like Jay was came up totally empty on the league. so like Dante was the guy who kind of got got in. okay. then on top of that, he was the best player on the team the year. We made one of our six final fours. And was the and that final four ended the twenty-four year twenty-four-year hiatus in making the final four. Yeah. That oh eight, oh nine team. And like the question that comes out of it is like, wait, wasn't Reynolds the best player? And the answer is actually no. Yeah, and, and so
1: we can debate best, but yeah, this is a point I was ready to be like, no, dude, it was Scotty Reynolds. But we looked up the stats. Dante averaged more points than Reynolds did over the season yeah. and during the tournament run it was relatively comparable what yeah. they did. So your point is well taken. He was we can argue best, but he was he scored more yeah. and certainly rebounded more and you know maybe added a little bit A little bit of difference more than Reynolds did to the game. Yeah, and that that era of Villanova, Jay's era, was typified
0: by having like like you know Jay's always been that guy who's kind of like gotten those like lower four star, three star recruits and whatever. That team was especially that. That team was like didn't actually have tons of great recruits at all. And. Dante was the one guy who also got four years consistently of playing time. Like he played on that o five o six year. Yeah, got good contrib- contribution minutes in that eight elite eight year. His sophomore campaign, he dunked on Kevin Durant. And if you don't remember anything else. <laughs> Like that might be reason enough. It's a great highlight. Yeah, absolutely. Oh seven, oh eight. He became like a captain and a leader of the team and led that team to a sweet sixteen. Yeah. And Scotty Reynolds did not have a good year of all his years. Scotty Reynolds, that was his worst year. Yeah. And oh eight, oh nine, he was, he was. You can make the argument the best player, and I think the point is not the only thing when you layer on the fact that he could de- defend any position one to five. Yeah. I'm on board with Cunningham getting in
1: there. It's interesting. Okay. Well, we'd love to hear from our fan base on this too. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's Dante. That's one Dante. Yeah. Um, who do you want to go to next? All
0: right. So then I think you can arguably make the jump to like the next era, like the yeah. kind of, quote-unquote golden era of Villanova basketball. Yeah. And there's a number of guys in there. I'm going to try and rattle them off as yeah. fast as I can. You got – I'm not saying all these guys should be in. I'm just saying this is the population yeah, yeah. to choose from. Hilliard, Pinkston, Bell. Um, you Ooh, got really – no, no, no. Yeah, I'm stretching it. I'm just giving the Kings. wide view. Um, you got – we talked about Hart. We got Jenkins. Uh, you got.
1: Pascal Bridges. Pascal Bridges. Second Dante.
0: Yeah, D- Dante <laughs> DiVincenzo, uh, Booth, and Ochefu. And I think that's pretty much
1: it. Yeah, here's what I'm going to go. I'm going to say, I'm going to do a blanket statement. Um, you mentioned three guys who I think it's an immediate no, at least right now yeah, Bell. Bell. Pinkston and Chef. Like those guys all had solid Villanova careers and certainly all contributed to Villanova's success and the development of the program. They don't stand out. To me relative to some of these other guys And even relative to some of the other guys who's, Some of the older guys whose jerseys have already been retired So
0: I'm fine with Bell and
1: Pinkston Bell is a total stretch
0: Yeah, no, Bell is a yeah. stretch I'm fine with Bell and Pinkston Chef though, was the starting five And by Jay's own statement He felt, Jay felt That O'Shafu was the best big man in the NCAA tournament in 2016 I get it. Big men have had checkered pasts in Villanova, but he was like, he won the national championship and he was like a very critical
1: role on that team. Yeah, I agree. He was a very critical role with it. Here's my comparison point, though. If I go back to like the 85 team, which is really our only other championship we can point to, like, it's not like they just retired everybody's jersey who was on the 85 team who was a significant contributor. Like, that, yeah. that's just. That's just not the way you do it. You don't reward everybody no, I, with a jersey retirement. I, I, I get it,
0: and I get it, and I'm fine with Jeff. And, I, and I, all I'm saying is I'm fine with the answer being no on Chef. I'm just saying that it should be – I don't think it should be an immediate – I think that there's a discussion to be had. Fine, fine. All right, moving beyond that. Then I think you actually have an interesting conversation with you talk about guys like like a Darren Hilliard, yeah. For example, Darren Hilliard was like a second team All American,
1: yeah. Which people definitely forget,
0: yeah. Okay, you want to talk about people forgetting, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) People don't forget Booth scoring twenty points, even though people say that, yeah. Um, Darren Hilliard was an amazing player on a team that definitely came up short, and it's hard to get beyond that. And the tournament, the lack of tournament success in Hilliard's career is really hard to get past. Yeah. But Hilliard was the best player like on a team ha- that was so fucking
1: good. Here's how I think this is going to play out. Jay's Jay's what? About 60 years old at this point. Yeah. I think Hilliard's not going to like it's not going to even be a discussion. Jay's going to get to about like I don't know, 75, 77 years old and he's going to be like, "Hey guys, like we really need to retire Hilliard's jersey." Yeah. Like because he knows how valuable Hilliard was to his his and the program's success during that time. That said, like I'm personally not ready to go all in on Hilliard, though I agree with you. He was like really the guy for a couple years that you did, definitely didn't see that coming. Dude was a three-star recruit out of, as we know, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, I think he'll get in eventually, actually. Because yeah. Jay's just going to be like, dude, you really brought that program along.
0: Yeah, and like how many other guys were like all all Americans? It, there aren't that many. There aren't that many. There so aren't that like many. It's like a weird yeah. situation. It, where it really. It's like you don't think of him immediately, but it's like, oh, when you actually kind of look at it, yeah,
1: it was like a fifteen hundred point score. Uh, yeah, absolutely. No, our, our recent all Americans are like we're talking about Brunson, Hart, Scotty. Alan Ray, yeah. uh, Randy Foy, Boy. that's yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, and, and Hillier on the list. And Hillary's on that list. Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. Anyway, okay. So let's move on from Hillier. So it's, that's a really interesting one. One other guy
0: who kind of was at fifteen hundred point score, yeah. a really good player, and I, we kind of skipped over him a little bit. But something I just, just to look out for. Yeah. Corey Fisher actually was a 1500- Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. 1500 point score. And the way re- the reason why Rob is like having that reaction is because his team like. Failed miserably coming down the stretch, but he'll, like 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 Corey Fisher was that like Divincenzo esque, Booth esque sixth man on that Final Four team. Yeah, like and he was, was really good. And Corey Fisher was really fucking good. Yeah. like a lot yeah. of people don't remember this, but like he was really fucking good. So like so like. Just watch out as like a Corey Fisher is like a dark horse Ooh. to kind
1: of get in. That's a very dark horse. Yeah,
0: very dark horse. It's like Jay's kind of paging through and it's like, who else do I have to retire? Yeah, yeah, and going yeah. down that list and being like, fuck, Fisher was like really was good. good. Very good. Really yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. All right, that, that's a good call. That's All a right. good call. All right, so then going back to the golden era. Um, okay, I want to talk about Dante DiVincenzo Ugh. before we get to some of the other guys because I think the other guys might have a little bit more bona fides yeah. yeah, currently. Yeah, yeah. But DiVincenzo is. Someone said, like, was he there for too short a period of time? And I was quickly bringing out, well, Lowry was only there two years, and Lowry didn't score 31 points in the national championship game, <laughs> right? Like, like we talk about Lowry now, and a lot of people are probably like, oh, yeah, Lowry, give so, him. Hey, if Devin Trento has a good NBA career, he's got to get in.
1: So that's, that's my point I was about to say is, if he has a good NBA career, I think he gets the nod, and you can definitely make the case deserve it. If he doesn't... I think it will take longer for him to get it. I think he eventually will yeah. just because of literally what you said, 31 points in the national championship. Hot take. I think had he not stepped up, somebody else on that team would have. And I think that's why he needs the NBA career to actually prove it. Yeah. And I think, yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, do we win the game without Dante is a question that people have said. and It's, it's a like, great question. It's a great question. And I, I still, th- yeah. I, to your point, I still think, yeah, I think we would have won. I think
1: we, we might have pulled it out. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. It's not as simple as minusing 31 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not how it works, right? Yeah, absolutely. Someone would have scored points. Yeah. So, so, yeah, but at the same time, though, you yeah, uh, did uh, score I'll, 31
1: points. He did. <laughs> I'm, I'm a no for now. I'm a no for now.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. I am a yes. Okay. All right. I'm a yes pending. The NBA, game. yeah. You
1: and I take you're you're a little bit more generous on this. I'm a little bit more stingy, right. but yeah. Lucas again, again, though, how
0: many times have we won national championship? Yeah. Three, Fine. And, Fine. and Dante was the mop yeah. for that team. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Then you get into uh, Pascal and Booth, and I'm talking about them a little bit together. Yeah, yeah. Both redshirted at some point in time in their career, etc. So Booth first. Yeah. Booth is such an interesting case. Never other than this last year on the team, never can make the argument that he was the best player in the team. Yeah. He did have the now almost like infamous 20 points in the yeah. 2016 National Championship off the bench. Yeah. Booth played a role for 3 years at Villanova. Had a season-long season-ending injury and then was the guy in a season that was kind of fraught last year. Yeah. But Booth was really fucking good. And Booth played 148 games in his NCAA tournament career. He's like top – like only like three other guys – or like not three other guys. Only like 12 more people have played more NCAA games than Phil Booth.
1: I mean you could very easily make the argument that Phil Booth is the best role player in Villanova – Basketball history Right Without a doubt Yeah
0: He is the winningest player In Villanova Basketball history Yeah He's, won, he's been involved In the most wins
1: in, And is a very Talented and accomplished Player in his own right From a statistical standpoint Yes
0: I would argue Booth A two-time national champion Definitely gets in You know How I, many two-time National championships do Team players do we have I we mean have,
1: I was initially A no on this I'm a yes
0: Yeah You have Brunson Brunson Booth and Bridges. Yeah. And I think that's it.
1: That's it. I mean, technically Pascal, but he didn't play. No, he didn't play. No, didn't yeah. play. no yeah. I'm
0: talking about playing the
1: games. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Pascal. Pascal's a no. You got Pascal's a no. I kind of get it. Pascal did have amazing performances throughout his career. Um, I think underutilized last year. Um, as crazy as that sounds, I think Booth was over.
1: <laughs> His tired legs would argue differently. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Pascal's got an interesting shot if this performance that he's got going on in the NBA, like, keeps up. Which it already kind of hasn't. But, like, yeah. if he for some reason can be a sort de force in the league for, like, 10 years, yeah. oh, sure, yeah. he's got yeah. a shot. If he can be an NBA Hall of Famer, you no, a- I'm not saying yeah, that. I'm course, not saying of course, of course. I'm not talking about him being a Hall of Famer. Yeah. I'm talking about him being like a borderline all star, like a handful of years.
1: Yeah, but if anybody does that, yeah, hey, yeah, hey, he's a no for me.
0: Okay, I'm fine with him being a no for now. He, no. he's he a just no for he, me too. he just
1: he wasn't he wasn't the guy in 18. He didn't he obviously didn't play in 16. Yeah, he's a no for me. I
0: I got I get it, and I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Okay, now going to
1: Bridges. Bridges, he's a yes, he's a no for me. Okay, why? Um, he was 16. He was like a nice role player. 18 he was one of the guys he was it was you know it was him and brunson right yeah. we're like the top the top guys uh, it just i don't know i i need to, i excuse me i need to see a little bit more post-collegiately he just doesn't i don't know he just doesn't stand out to me as much like uh, here's there's nothing i can necessarily point to to be like this is why like other than like You know, he doesn't necessarily have the individual accolades during college. Yes, he was on those teams, on those championship teams in an increasing role, and yes, he's made it in the NBA, and you know, he's working his way through that. I want to see that play out a little bit more before I'm I'm a yes. Just because there are other people I can point to now, who I can be like, yes, like this guy over this guy. Now, the question I would ask if I were you is saying. Well, you just gave it to Phil Booth, who hasn't carved out a spot in the NBA. And to that, I would say, <laughs> Phil, I have a
0: different point.
1: I, to that, I would say, you know, Phil Booth to me screams like a little bit more consistency, kind of throughout the career, and you know, I think maybe contributed more holistically to to the program during his college time.
0: I have, an inter- I have a different point.
1: Shoot away. Here's the thing. Shoot him, or Gavin. Go for it, baby. Yeah.
0: If you won two national championships, which is double the total amount of national championships prior to your existence, and you played significant minutes on both teams, you're in. Done. That's my criteria. Sorry. If we were a 10-time national championship winning team, I might have a different criteria, but we're not. We have three.
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe maybe four or five by the time Jay's time is done, and that would be amazing. Yeah. Right? But, like, also very possibly no more. Yeah. So, like... I am of the opinion that Bridges played significant minutes on two national championship teams. I have the same view on Brunson and Booth. Obviously Brunson is a little bit more obvious because he was the national player of the year. How many lottery picks also do we have that weren't Jersey retired? Like Bridges was a lotto his yeah. like after he went. That's a good point. A, I, I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> and and Bridges may be the singular best defender in the J Wright era. Wow. But him at that top of that one-two-two press, like he was, it was incredible. It was instructor gadget. All right,
1: okay. I think we got it. We've arrived at our last one. Chris Jenkins. Chris Jenkins. Chris
0: Jenkins is the weirdest of them all.
1: Motherfucking Jenkins. Yeah.
0: Chris Jenkins begs the question: (laughs) Can one play get you your jersey retired? And. And I'm going to say on the account that it is the greatest play in NCAA tournament history. The answer to me is yeah, I don't know how you don't. <laughs> I I want
1: here's here's my
0: thing. <laughs> I don't know how you don't put him in. I Did will, he have a great career otherwise? He had a good career. He
1: had a good career.
0: Didn't have a good senior year.
1: I you know, I want to I, I want to <laughs> be like so objective and be like, no, nah, he didn't now. He was not an all-American, but Kinda like it is literally the greatest shot in college basketball history. Yeah, how do you not retire that? I think you got to retire. You, it. I think you retire. Like the in, in terms of meaning to the to the program. Yeah, that is the single greatest meaningful moment in program history. Yes, it's gotta be a I'm yes. i am Jenkins in. It's gotta got be Jenkins a yes. In. I got Jenkins in. It, it pains me a little bit, but credit where credit is due. The dude had fucking ice in his veins. Yeah. It's a yes. It's a yes. Chris Jenkins, baby. Put him in the rafters.
0: Chris Jenkins, at smooth to you. Smooth if to you. You're out there. Oh. We got you in. Dude, I wonder what he's up to. Yeah. yeah. All right. That a was a little fun. bit longer conversation, but I actually think that most people would probably say that, that was, was fun. the that was more terrible. interesting part of the podcast. would absolutely welcome, of course, yes. our
1: fans' perspective on I this. I want
0: feedback on this. Please add us on Twitter, on Instagram, at the full 40 We want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear people hot-taking me to death on Cunningham and on some of the other players. But again, my, com- my response back to you, just so you know, is preloaded. How many other teams... One national championship. How many other teams made the final four? Do the best player on those teams make their way into the rafters at the pavilion? I argue yes.
1: There you go.
0: Okay. Butler and Providence. We were saying that we got to preview Butler. We also kind of have to preview Providence. (sighs) My God. Yeah. So I know it's a long-winded podcast here, but – we're going to push on to the finish line here. So, Butler.
1: Thank God it's not at Hinkle.
0: Thank God it's not at Hinkle because they're coming off an 0-2 week. Woof. All of a sudden looking like – last week they were looking like potential world beaters. Like if they won two games this week, could have been like maybe like a top five unit, like top three unit, like several like Auburn lost, Duke lost. They I mean, could they, have been, they already
1: were number five.
0: Yeah, they could have gotten all the way up to like three. One two three yeah they could have gotten all the way up there, and then they shat
1: the bed. Yeah, Seton Hall, which like they lost to Seton Hall, but it was at at, home. at Hinkle, yeah. Wait, but look, a loss to Seton Hall is not is is never at this in this year a bad loss. No,
0: and I, Seton Hall, you can argue as the best player in college basketball.
1: Yeah, you you could make that argument for sure. Yeah, but then the follow up loss at DePaul mm-hmm. where they were getting smoked. They they came back and made it closer. Still a 13-point loss at the end of the day. That made not it a, seem like it was a lot closer than yeah, it was. It was it, it was, was a yeah, blowout. Yeah, it was a blowout. So definitely not a great looking week. And the question in my mind is is Butler actually the real deal or have they just benefited from a scheduling perspective? Looking at their schedule, they actually don't have any top 25 wins, which is interesting. So, they've beaten they've beaten some good teams. They haven't beaten great teams. They only played I think Baylor was the only ranked team they played and they lost to it, lost to them. So there's not a great track record you can point to. I don't know, we'll see. I'm cautiously optimistic that we're playing at home that we can pull this out. If thing. this was at Hinkle, I would probably have a different answer yeah, for you.
0: Here's the thing they haven't beaten great teams. News slash, we're not a great team. We're not a great so team. So they yeah. can beat us. They can beat us, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um so anyway, let's do a quick review. Who do you need to look out for on on Butler? So
0: Butler is one of those guy one of those teams that again, the Butler way, one of those yes, Villanova basketball-y yes. things that exists in all things and exists in nothing at the same time. <laughs> Means everything and nothing. Yes. Um, but so they play a great team brand of basketball. The Val Jordan's got these guys like Really, kind of clicking on all cylinders together. The, the guys, though, there are a few that you got to look out for. Kamar Baldwin is yep. the guy. He's the guy. The captain, right? The guy for them. Um, then you have Sean McDermott, who's been, in both Baldwin and McDermott have been on Butler for 47 years. At I was going to
1: say, Sean McDermott, we looked him up. And I was like, holy shit, he's still on this team. Like, <laughs> that's wild.
0: Yeah. Then you got Jordan Tucker. The Duke tra- Duke transfer, Duke transfer, yes. Right? yes, and then you got Bryce Enzi.
1: We I don't know anything about Bryce. Enzi. We don't know Bryce.
0: to say his name either. It's probably not right. We're going with it. Yeah, Enz, Enz, yeah. Um. So, but Baldwin, McDermott, and Tucker are like the three best players, all like t- right around ten or more points a game.
1: Right around. Kamal Baldwin's fifteen. Yeah, Kamal yeah. Baldwin.
0: I'm saying that yeah. um, Tucker is like nine point, like yeah, six yeah. or something yeah, like that. 10. Right. Like so he's basically ten points a game, and then McDermott and Baldwin are clearly um, scoring like 12, 15 points a game. Yeah. Um, so those guys are the guys you got to look out for. Again, it's one of those teams that plays really solid defense. They play like a a, a very unique brand of basketball. Tough minded. Like focus. This is a team that's going to test us in a way because they play veteran, smart basketball. They plot a little bit, but they but they like to play because we've slowed down the games quite a bit. Jay has as we've gotten to Biggie's play, and he hasn't played as up tempo as he did earlier in the season. They like to play. They like to play a more plotting type of basketball and. They are smart, they're smart with the ball. they don't turn the ball over a ton. they make good decisions they make wise choices they this is the type of team that like Villanova is gonna have to learn how to beat because this team plays like older Villanova teams mm-hmm. and we aren't that yet so definitely a big test in terms of style and in terms of that whereas the Yukon and DePaul like they ran themselves out of energy yeah. they got they got quick with the ball. They made mistakes that allowed us to capitalize to win those games. We put that same effort against Butler. We're not winning.
1: It, it, yeah, it's true. And the fact that you've got two guys in Kamar Baldwin and Sean McDermott, who are both seniors, have been around the Big East and have played Villanova for four years. And like both of those guys have been role increasing role players for a number of years. So they're very familiar with what Villanova can do. They're absolutely going to be thinking, we know this is not the Villanova of 2018 because we fucking played against that team. Yeah. And we can and should absolutely beat this team. Yep. That's going to be their mindset. Their mindset is not, oh, no, it's Villanova. Their mindset is, oh, no, we got this, guys. Yeah, Like, yeah. We, we can win. And they, they very much can win this oh, game. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't be shocked to see no. us lose at all. Do
1: you think we'll pull it up?
0: I do think we win because it's at home, and I think that our guys turn in a better performance than the last two games. I think that there's an element, again, I don't want to say young team because we should be beyond that, but I think there's an element of a little bit lack of focus. I don't think the guys are going to be razor sharp going into the Butler game.
1: It's going to be, I mean, everybody's going to have this game circled. The coaching staff, the players, they know this is a big test. I think we'll pull at like but, a squeaker. But
0: by the way, we win this game, and it's early on. It's only six games in if we after this game in the season. But we go to five and one; and they go to three and three. Like yeah. that's a good amount of distance this early in the season to put between us and Butler. So it actually matters in terms of like postseason seeding and things like that.
1: Like then the crazy part is we are like back in Hinkle in like a few weeks' time. Yes. Like, oh. And if you assume a loss
0: there, then that makes this game even more very important. important. Yeah, yeah agree. All right. Providence. Interesting team. Interesting team. So, this is a team that we wrote off Yeah. mistakenly. We came into the Biggie season being like, hey, there's nine teams that can make the Biggie's, that make the NCAA tournament. <laughs> nine teams that make the Biggie's tournament. <laughs> I think they're all making it. Um, there's nine teams that can make the NCAA tournament, and Providence is the one team that's not. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like all 10 teams can get in there. And, and Providence has been really good to start. The start of the year. Their only loss came versus Butler, so that's no. It's not embarrassing to lose to Butler in the slightest.
1: And they put the hurt on some teams too. They've looked good. They actually just lost to uh, to Creighton the other day too. Yeah, but yeah, but yes, yeah, so yes, they have. They've definitely looked better than than they did coming into Big East play. And they've got a couple players. They've got Alpha Diallo, yep. another guy who's been around the Big East for years. He's been a good player for years. And they've got a sophomore, David Duke, who just put up 36, I think, against Creighton. So he's rounding into form. Those are the guys to watch out for.
0: Diallo's interesting because Diallo is a little bit like Samuels esque in mm. that he can disappear sometimes. I agree. But then when he gets hot and plays with that sense of fire yeah. and passion, like he can blow everyone away. I, I totally he agree. can jump out of the gym. He got cool.
1: talked about a lot coming into the year and hasn't been as electric. I mean, look, he averages 14 and 8 a game, which. As a guard, like those are great stats, but they absolutely thought he was going to be a straight-up killer this year. He hasn't been quite as much of a killer.
0: Ed Cooley also always crafts a game plan that plays us tough.
1: Ed Crafty Cooley—that's what I always call him. <laughs> Crafty.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so that's something to look out for. Um, all right, long pod, but one more thing to do. I think we're wait. Skip.
1: Do, you have a, do you have a win against Providence? um this is at providence no we're right, gonna lose i think i lost too so one i had and one. a
0: one-on-one one. yeah yeah i had one-on-one one week Not too i bad. think it's too hard to predict otherwise like going predicting O and two doesn't feel right yeah. predicting two and O feels like really ambitious based on the way the team's performed so i think one-on-one one feels no matter how it happens i think one-on-one one is a good compromise cool um, we're going to skip the heart monitor, actually. We said coming in that we were going to get to it, but we're not.
1: I will say, I'll do a quick blurb on it. Awesome week for our guys. Yeah. If you haven't checked it out, everybody from Mikhail to Jalen to Omari to Eric to Dante all had great weeks, yeah. like 15, 20, 25-point games. Mikhail put up 26 last night. Just amazing to see all these guys contributing significantly yeah. to the team. And teams.
0: Kyle had a throw-in oh three-pointer. Oh, my God. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah, it was just, just absolutely. Google, it. Just Google ridiculous Kyle Lowry three pointer, yeah, and there's no awesome. way it doesn't come out. That was awesome. Totally um, finally, awards.
1: Yeah,
0: arf arf Alpha Dog of the week. I'm handing to Jermaine Samuels. Yeah, um, for his nails performance. Ice cold baby. Um, especially against UConn, had a good game against DePaul as well. Yeah, I, and I'm good then. With that. I'm also going to give the Shaq Fit Man play of the week to Samuels.
1: For the, uh, for that shot.
0: That shot, that, that, shot, that yeah. ice cold shot at the end of the thing. He also had many other, like, garbage-type plays, like like clean up the garbage, like yeah, yeah. like like just hustle plays that he had that were critical to winning the game. And he's been kind of coming – that's kind of become his reputation, which is similar. I keep likening him to Dwayne Anderson. Mm. Had the same yeah, kind of sure, vibe that sure, sure, he sure. has yeah. a Dwayne Anderson this time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those are the, the – I'm giving them both to Samuels
1: this week. Uh, a new award I want to introduce. I'm not sure if it's going to continue in the future, but it's going to be the – Pass the fucking ball award for the week Um, goes to Justin Moore. So, what I'm referring to is there was a great point in the UConn game in the first half where Justin was dribbling around and kind of put up a a pretty contested shot under the hoop. And the clear as day. Clear as day. They, they, They called a timeout or whatever. The play stopped. The camera pans to Jay and he is yelling at Justin, just face full on the TV. Pass the fucking ball. It was amazing. Like there is no doubt what he said. I loved it. So Justin Moore, you get the pass the fucking ball award of the week. I'm hoping to continue this in the future. I think
0: Moore is going to win a lot of. Them.
1: <laughs> he might. He might. Yeah. All right. All right. Oh, good That's stuff.
0: That's it. That's it. That's all we got. Long pod, but a good one. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. And as always, let's, let's go, go Nova. Nova.